when you turn to Genesis 32. And part of tonight's message is partly made up of, uh, of my own testimony and what I walked through as a teenager. And, uh, and so <clears throat> I really believe tonight you'll be blessed, but you'll also be challenged in that. And, uh, and as we look in Genesis 32, we're going to start in verse 22. And it, uh, this is a story about when Jacob wrestles with an angel. And uh, it says this, During the night, Jacob got up and he took his two wives, his two servants' wives, and his eleven sons, and crossed the river. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. Verse 24. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. And when the man saw that he would not win the match, the man touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man said, what is your name? What is your name? You see, there's a bit of history to the story. And we see many, many years ago, we see Jacob trying to be someone else, his brother Esau. And many, many years ago, we see Jacob dressed up and disguised himself as his elder brother Esau because, you see, his father Isaac was about to die. It says he was blind. And so what would happen back in those days is that the father would give the elder son a blessing before he passed on. Now, this wasn't just, you know, when, I, when you think about it, oh, what's a blessing? But actually, there's a real significance, importance to that. And so Jacob tried to, he dressed up in Esau's clothes. It says that Esau was a very hairy man. And so and while he was out hunting and about to prepare his father's favorite meal, Jacob's mom clothed him with some skin off a goat so that he would be hairy, and he took the food into Isaac. But you see, the thing about it is this, is that Isaac, he was a little sus that something was going on, even though he was blind. Because Isaac asks this question, and this is in Genesis 27, he asks, Who are you? And Jacob says, I am Esau, your eldest son. So Isaac, he blesses him. And now, of course, when Esau comes back and he realizes what's happened, he is furious. He is that much to the point of rage and anger that he... He's about, he's, he's about to kill his brother Jacob, so Jacob runs for his life and flees. You see, so here we have a situation in Genesis 32 where Jacob's been wrestling, and he's come to the point where the man who's an angel says, who are you? You see, for many years previous to that, Jacob was trying to find out who he really was. To the point where he disguised and pretended to be someone else because he wanted the blessing that was purposed for his elder brother. But you see, God had destined for Jacob to walk in his own blessing. See, when, when they were in the mother's womb, an angel of the Lord appeared to his mother and said, Your sons, they will be fathers of nations, two different nations. And so she knew this word. So she tried to get her, her younger son, Jacob, 
to dress up and be someone else to grab the blessing that actually God had planned for the eldest brother because, see, God had planned for Jacob to be blessed a different way. So here we have a man who's trying to be someone else. You see, for many of us, as we live life, as we walk through life, we're not sure who we really are. We're trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to figure out what we're called to do. We're trying to figure out what it is that makes us us. We're trying to figure out how to live life in this time, how to live life in, out in a world that is, that is full of heartbreak, that is full of pain, that is full of hurt. When we look at ourselves, we often look upon ourselves and we look and we think, I don't like who I am. I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way my body is. I don't like how, how unclever I am. I don't like the family that I was brought up in. And so then we try and be someone that someone else. We look at our neighbor and we think, man, I wish I looked like them. I wish I had their hairstyle. I wish I had their body. I wish I wasn't so short. I wish I didn't have one ab. I've often wished that. See, my brother is the one who's the skinny one. He got my mum's physique. However, I'm taller than he is, so he's really short. So I guess, you know, got to be happy with something. So, uh, you see, for many of us, we're trying to figure out who we are. You see, I remember when I was at, when I was at Intermediate, and, uh, and we were out at a school camp, and if you, all of, who remembers being at Intermediate? Yeah. And it's at that stage of life where you're just trying to find who you are anyway. You're trying to, you know, puberty hits and you're trying to just make sense of it all. And, uh, and most teenagers of that age are pretty insecure anyway and, and trying to be seen as the cool person and trying to fit in and stuff like that. And so here I was out at camp and I was walking into my dorm. I was walking down the hall and where, where the guys were who I assumed were my mates. And, uh, you know, as I was walking down the hall, I remember vividly them talking about someone. So I stopped to listen, and they were talking about me, and it wasn't nice, so right at that point, everything that I thought I was, everything, the world that I knew it, was just totally crushed, the security that I had in my mates was gone, I started to question, was it the way I looked, was it who I am, was it my personality, was it my parents, what was it? So I started to wish that I was somebody else. You see, there are many here tonight, and you've gone through the same thing, and you wish you were someone else. There is some part of you that you don't like. There is some part of you that you wish was different. And so as I walked in the next couple of years, full of this turmoil inside, and I remember going into third form, starting a new school, trying to be accepted, trying to do all I could to be accepted. And I remember getting into a group of guys that were so-called the cool guys. And, uh, and so that was cool. I was happy with that. But you see, the problem was, was that these guys, they didn't, they didn't know Christ. They didn't have a relationship with Him. They didn't care. And so actually, their life was about being mean, getting in trouble, wagging school, doing all of this stuff. So because I had a deep need inside to be loved and accepted, and I was trying to find who I was, trying to find my identity, my life and my identity was found 
and doing whatever it was that would make me feel, that would make me loved and accepted by my peers. So all through third form and into fourth form, I remember just in trouble all the time, detention, staying back at school. And I remember to the point where my parents were called in and, uh, and you know, and, and, and I was brought up in a Christian home. But you see, for me, my identity, I was searching all over for what it was that made me me, for what it was and where I would find love and acceptance. And so I remember the end of fourth form, I'd already had a stage in, in, in intermediate where I'd been rejected by my friends. And then I remember as walking in, doing a whole lot of stuff that I shouldn't have, hooking into relationships because of a need to be loved. And so I remember at the end of fourth form coming here to Bay City with mum, hearing a testimony and getting saved. Now for most of us, we think, awesome, everything changes. But you know what? The rejection inside, the loneliness that was inside, the hurt and the pain that was inside was still there. But you know, the cool thing about it was now I had a hope and a future. Now I had a way out so that I could now be free of this stuff. But you see, friends, that didn't happen immediately. That took years. And so I remember after being saved, those guys who were, who were my so-called friends just leaving me. They said, no, we don't want to be your friend anymore. And I remember walking through high school and, uh, and because these were the guys that, you know, were the, the so-called tough guys and stuff, they would, you know, give me stick and, oh, we're going to smash you and stuff like that. And so I remember being at home, hating school, hence never doing that great at school because I didn't want to be there. Still trying to find out who I was, still trying to find my identity in all the wrong things. You see, I tried to find it in my friends, didn't work. Tried to find it in girlfriends, didn't work. Tried to find it in doing whatever it was even if it meant I got in trouble to find acceptance, but it didn't work. Trying to find out who I was. And so I remember getting saved, and, and, and it was real cool for it, you know, but I still had to go to school. I still had to go into that environment where I'm not surrounded by my peers in a church setting. I'm now surrounded by predominantly people who are unsaved still full of rejection, still full of loneliness, still full of fear. And I remember hooking up with another group of guys. And, uh, and I remember, this was when I was about, you know, towards the end of high school. So, of course, at that stage, you're going partying, you're doing the nightclubs, you're doing the rounds. I remember at home, who remembers those old paper driver's license? You know, all the older ones, older people remember. Yeah, I remember at home just, because uh, I was pretty clever, of course, Twinking out my date of birth so that, and changing it and, uh, on there and, uh, so I could get into the clubs. And it worked. So, uh, but of course, you can't do that with a driver's license now. And, uh, and so I remember a Christian, brought up in a Christian home, got saved at fourth form, hooked into a group of friends at school that weren't saved, still longing to be loved and accepted. And so here they were going to the clubs. And so I was like, oh, well, if they're doing it, and I don't want to be rejected for a third time so if they're doing it then I'll, I'll do it too but I'll just go as a sober driver so that actually I'm not doing anything I shouldn't I'm not getting drunk I'm still going to church in the morning even though I didn't get home till two or three in the morning I still get up go to church worship God but at least my friends will accept me 
you know what? That was the lie that the enemy wanted me to believe. Because a month later, living a lifestyle that is in a place that is not honoring, that is not bringing glory to the Lord, after a month, I was doing exactly what they were doing. Even though my intentions were right, even though I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to drink or anything like that, but I remember it only took a month before I was in that same hole of an environment that they were in, drinking, just doing all sorts of crazy stuff that I shouldn't have. Why? Because I wanted to be accepted and loved. Many here would be in that same place. Many of you here tonight would be in that same place, whereas you look upon yourself, you don't like what you see. As you look upon yourself, you don't think you're smart enough. You don't think you're handsome enough. You don't think you're pretty enough. You don't think you've got the right body type. You're doing whatever it takes for your friends to accept you. Whatever it takes for your workmates to accept you. You see, you can look at my life and say, yeah, but Steve, you've turned out all right. And yeah, I have. However, that is by the grace of God. That is totally by the grace and the saving power of Jesus Christ. But you know what, friends? What you choose to do today affects tomorrow. What you do today, and you can look at my life and say, but yes, Steve, you did all that, and look at you now. That is right, because that's all you see. You don't see the battles that I've had to face at home in my personal walk with God of loneliness, rejection, and, and all the other things that I've had to face when I was in that season of dating, when I was in that season of drinking, the effects that that have had on my life over years, and even as recent as a year or so ago, still having to deal with stuff that I did and that paying the price that I did years and years ago. You see, you can look at someone's life and say, but look at you. However, you don't want to walk through what I had to walk through. You don't want to walk through the, the choices that I made over 12 years ago. You don't want to have to walk through the, the repercussion of that, the memories that stay. Because you see, you can't escape that unless Jesus removes it supernaturally, and he can. Praise God, he can. You see, the choices you make today will affect tomorrow what you sow, you reap. And as you're looking to find identity, and as you're looking to be accepted, and, and whether, it, whether it's going to the clubs, whether it's drinking, whether it's dating, whether it's doing the things that you shouldn't do, whether it's talking negatively, whether it's just being, to being whatever it is, it will affect your tomorrow. You see, God has an identity for you that He has purposed for you to walk in. And it's not made up of what people think. It's not made up of finding acceptance in friends. See, in the Bible it says this, in Proverbs, Proverbs 14, verse 30, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. You see, some of you here are envious of other people because they've got something that you don't. Some of you here, when someone else is lifted up, you're jealous and upset because that should have been you. Envy rots the bones. Job 5, verse 2 says, Resentment kills the fool, and envy slains the simple. 
You see, some of us just hate life because we wish we were someone else. Some of us are angry at everyone else, want to hurt other people because inside you're full of rejection, full of fear, full of loneliness. You see, God doesn't want you to live that way. God's plan for your life was never to live out of that. So let me ask this question. Why is it that we so often worry about what everyone else says and is doing or what they think about us? Should it matter to us what is normal for everyone else? You see, friends, we don't measure our lives upon what our friends think, upon what they do, upon what they say. We measure it upon what Jesus Christ says about you. We're not called to live out of our flesh. We're called to live out of our spirit. We're not called to live out of our feelings, which is actually living out of your soul. You're called to live out of your spirit. You're called to live out of the, the, the plans and the purposes and the life and the, and the life-giving words that Jesus says about you. My son, my daughter, whom I'm well pleased. You see, when the angel appeared to Jacob and said, what is your name? He replied, my name is Jacob. You see, Jacob was done trying to be someone else. He was done trying to pretend to be his brother. He was done over years. He had wrestled and he had won the victory. He was done and now he was ready to be Jacob. You see, the thing is, is that when he came to that realization and been happy with who he is, who God made, you see, God made you. God didn't make a mistake when he made you. God wasn't having a bad day when he made you. God wasn't half asleep when he made you. God made you the way you are because he loves you, because when he looks at you, he has this big smile, full eyes, full of love for you, just the way you are. Just the way you are. And you see, Jacob didn't walk in his plan and his purpose until he, start, until he became happy with who he is. See, then he carries on and God says that you're no, you're no, your name's no longer Jacob, it's Israel. Called to be a father of a nation. You see, for me, when I came to that point where I was happy with who I was, where I wasn't looking for acceptance in anyone else or anything else, but I was happy with who I was, then the plans and the purposes of God started to outwork in a way that I could never imagine, could never believe. Once I'd stopped looking for acceptance in all other places, it was at that point where I was, I am the Son of God. It was at that point where I was content with who I was. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. No. Yeah, I'd rather a six-pack than a one-pack. But that's cool. I'm happy because I know who I am. I know that God has anointed me. I know that I'm called to be a son of God, that I'm called to bring heaven to earth, that I'm called to see the presence of God to be manifested in people's lives, that I'm called to see blind eyes open, that I'm called to preach to heaps of people, that I'm called to be one who would bring kids into the presence of God, that I'm called the son of God, and that doesn't matter what people think, doesn't matter what people's opinions are of me, but that what matters is what my heavenly father, what my dad says about me, and there should be the same for you. What your dad says about you. 
you can start playing. I just want to leave you with these few scriptures. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? 2 Corinthians 3.18 So all of us have had the veil removed so that we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and that the Lord who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance. He makes everything work out according to His plan. You see, in there, it doesn't say anything about you have to be a certain body type. You have to look a certain way. You have to be a certain IQ. You have to have a certain level of intelligence. It doesn't say any of that. It just says who you are. You are called to walk in the inheritance that God has. You are changed in your image from glory to glory. See, Jesus died on the cross for you so that we could now live together with God in a relationship with Him, so that we could now be filled with His Holy Spirit, so that we could now walk out the plans and the purposes that God has, so that we could now be anointed for such a time as this, that when we leave this place, when we walk out of these doors, that we wouldn't walk as an ordinary person, but we would walk transformed in the Spirit of God, that we would walk in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, in the same power that enabled Jesus to see the blind eyes open, to see the dead people raised, to see the sick healed. That same power lives in you and I. Your identity is in Him. Your identity is found in Him. So let me leave and ask you this question. Who are you? Who are you? Really? It's not about I'm Steve. It's about who I am inside. It's about who I am internally. And you see, this is why Courses like the restoration is so important. Because there could be stuff that's gone on in your life that's happened years ago. And it's in that place, in that environment that you can be free. So that now who you are and the way you see yourself is someone different. is the same way that God sees you. Because you see, God's waiting for you. He said, my son and daughter, I'm waiting for you. I have a plan and a purpose for you to walk in. But will you accept who I've called you to be? Will you accept who you are because I've made you in my image? Who are you, friends?